natural resources, a growing number of rogue states, dire threats from nuclear proliferation, and the end of the dollar's position as the world's primary currency. Just after the report's release, a horrific Islamic terrorist attack in Mumbai, India, left nearly 200 people dead, providing a grim reminder of the lurking danger that threatens every democracy. President Obama campaigned on promises of hope and change, but these are not the most pressing issues of the moment. Our biggest concern, in fact, is our national survival. Shifting Winds Americans have repeatedly overcome serious adversities, but in the past we've had the wind of history at our back. For two centuries, no nation on earth could match our combination of land, natural resources, and our free, disciplined, industrious, religious, productive, and entrepreneurial people. Empowered by our many blessings, we Americans have always had the luxury of a wide margin for error. We have thrived, despite episodic bad policy from Washington, ill-conceived wars, counterproductive educational and social policies, excessive taxes, natural disasters, and even the occasional madness of our collective judgment. Our endurance was enabled by our uncanny sense of balance between the prerogatives of the individual and the need for collective sacrifice and action. Up until World War II, we were masters of our fate within our lands, while we traded with the world, we didn't need the world, and the world could do little to us. And for a long half-century after the war, our economic, military, diplomatic, cultural and political strength assured us a smooth passage through history. Two poorly judged and embarrassingly ended wars in Asia, Korea and Vietnam barely left a ripple of adversity in our post-war foreign affairs. So strong were we, we could afford to get bloodied in war and yet maintain our global preeminence. But now the magnitudes work against us. We once developed our own vast energy supplies. Now we rely on foreign oil, sending almost a trillion dollars a year to Middle Eastern countries that use their oil money to fund the Islamist war of terror against us. This debilitating dependence has sucked us into the religious, tribal, and national struggles and wars of the Middle East. The day will probably come, if we don't quickly change things, when we will no longer fight to protect friendly regimes, but will have to seize, hold, extract, and export the oil we need. During wartime, we traditionally have fielded well-staffed armies big enough to overwhelm our enemies. Now the military has shrunk to a level that seriously threatens our ability to respond to international crises. We used to band together during threatening times, putting the country first. Now the idea of personal sacrifice is absent from public discussion. Even the horror of the September 11 attacks was not enough to galvanize our leaders into asking Americans to shake off their complacency and personally contribute to the country's security. All these challenges have led me to reconsider what principles of governance are best suited to overcome the dangers before us. 
In my previous book, The West's Last Chance, Will We Win the Clash of Civilizations, I argued that America cannot become strong enough to win the war on Islamic terrorism by following the strict libertarian principles I believed in before and during my years on Ronald Reagan's White House staff. But it never occurred to me precisely where my political philosophy was moving until an appearance on the McLaughlin Group television show a few years ago. During one of our fierce debates about the Iraq War, John McLaughlin turned to me and asked, What do you neocons want? I responded pugnaciously, I'm not a neocon. To which John reasonably inquired, Well, what are you? With the red light of the television camera focused on me, I paused and thought for a second or two, and then more or less blurted out, I'm a nationalist. That ended the conversation.